Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> All right, Miami Dolphins fans, it's another Friday episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's March 6th. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, and hey, listen, enjoy this weekend, because Monday is a very big day for all of us as Dolphins fans, because the landscape of the 2020 NFL Draft from a quarterback's perspective hangs in the balance this upcoming Monday. Why? It's not the draft. Combine's already come and went. The Dolphins have had their interviews. No, no, no. It's because Alabama's Tua Tonga Viola has his doctor's appointment on Monday. And if the doctor's appointment goes well, Tua will be cleared to return to full range of motion and football activities in which time he will begin prepping for his throwing session, which is currently, tentatively, based on the the results of this doctor's appointment, scheduled for April 9th, 2020. So on March 9th, we are going to find out two is cleared, two is not cleared, what impact that has on us. Well, if things go really well, you know, we could see the Dolphins buying all the way back into Tua. They, they make it into the aggressive mentality of trading up to the third overall pick. We don't know. But we'll get some clarity on Monday. And what we're going to do today is, generally speaking, not attached to quarterbacks. But before we do our big board for the edge defenders, and we're going to put it through the scope of Miami Dolphins' preferred qualities and traits... Before we get there, we are going to tackle one quarterback topic here in the first segment of today's episode of Locked On Dolphins. Now, I did discuss this during uh, my Friday slate of topics and content for Dolphins Wire, but I do think it's worth bringing to everyone's attention here. The Miami Dolphins, and, and say the quarterback market heats up. Right, And all of a sudden, Tua's red hot again. And the Dolphins decide they want him and they're, they're going to have to you know, make a jump because they're worried about a team getting in front of him. Who's the team you're most worried about trading up for a quarterback in front of the Dolphins? Think about it. You've got Cincinnati Bengals at one. Washington at two. Despite their posturing, it's been relatively debunked that they, they're not you know, they'll do their due diligence, but they're not in the quarterback market. The Detroit Lions at three, there have been reports after the combine that have debunked any chance that the Detroit Lions are interested in taking a quarterback. And then you have the New York Giants who just took Daniel Jones with the sixth overall pick. And when you gloss over the 100 fumbles that he had this past year, Daniel Jones from like a passer perspective was better than I thought he'd be. So they, they have to be encouraged there, and they still have the same regime with Dave Gettleman at the top of the organizational chart. Miami is on at five. We know the, the names behind Miami. The L.A. Chargers, Carolina Panthers, Jacksonville Jaguars, 
Those are the teams inside the rest of the top 10 that are perceived to be quarterback needy or hungry teams. But when you put each one of those teams under the microscope, you see the Carolina Panthers, for example, are in year one of an aggressive rebuild. And if they're going to follow the script of an aggressive rebuild, they need draft capital in the bank not being spent for a single player. Carolina's already openly admitted to their fans this first year is going to be a challenge, but it's a part of a process for them in building the program. I think Carolina is more likely to trade out than they are to trade up, especially with Cam Newton still on the roster. They may end up moving him. They're going to have a chance to potentially sign a free agent bridge quarterback. They don't feel like they're ready for that investment to take on a first-round quarterback, especially when you consider it may have to come at the cost of multiple first-round picks to get up in front of the Dolphins. The L.A. Chargers just traded Russell Okung to the Carolina Panthers for Trey Turner. It's an upgrade on their interior offensive line, and it's a great year to have a top-six pick pick in offensive tackles. This team's been reported to be interested in veteran quarterbacks to make a splash. Might they go get a veteran? Might they sign a, a Teddy Bridgewater or trade for a Cam Newton or any number of different directions that they could go? They have a lot of options, and they now have a glaring hole at left tackle because they traded Russell Okung. So as you think about the teams immediately behind Dolphins, it doesn't you could make a very strong case for neither one of those teams to be the threat to the Dolphins. And if that's the case, then who is the threat? And I'd like to present my case for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, the Vegas Raiders, uh, if you've been paying attention, they are aggressively chasing Tom Brady. They'd love to sign Tom Brady in free agency. And if they do, then you will see them, with a young quarterback on the right side of 30 years old, have Derek Carr available in a trade scenario. So let's say, hypothetically, Tom Brady does decide to go to the Raiders. And then the Raiders trade Derek Carr for draft picks in the 2020 NFL Draft. And a quarterback, starting quarterback of Derek Carr's quality is probably the value, a consummate value of a first-round pick. They might not get a one specifically for him, but they might get an early two and a two next year, or an early two and a three, and then a three next year. And if they're able to stack all that up, you'd have the Raiders with Tom Brady and a draft class that would feature 19, 12, Whatever picks they get for Derek Carr, and they have two consecutive picks in the third round at 80 and 81. This team is moving to Las Vegas. They definitely want to make a splash. John Gruden's on a 10-year contract there, so if anybody was going to have the stability to sign Tom Brady, make a splash move for a quarterback, and let him learn behind Tom Brady for a few years, would it not be the Raiders? 
of course, these dominoes have to go the way that, that this hypothetical is presenting, but they are a, the sneaky team that if we are going to peg, hey, look out for so-and-so in the quarterback race, if the Raiders are able to land Tom Brady and then they flip Derek Carr, you know, this team may, I mean, they, they've already got a really good offensive line. they got a good running back in Josh Jacobs. This is a great year to have a wide receiver need and be picking in rounds two and three in that capacity. So what's to stop them from pairing 19? Let's say they, they go crazy and they're in love with Tua. What's to stop them from signing Tom Brady, trading Derek Carr, trading 19, 12, the two they get in a hypothetical car deal, and a one of the two next year? Like that is enough of a package that it can threaten the Dolphins' stance as the team that's not in the driver's seat, but still kind of in the driver's seat for the quarterback race. So that is a subplot that hasn't really been discussed a ton, but is worth discussing and considering and watching because uh, the, the Raiders, inevitably, they have the right blend of ambition and need to to make some noise and and thirst for the spotlight to see all this kind of materialize it's just a question of does Tom want to go there do they want to invest those picks in surrounding Tom in the win right now or do they want to kind of play the short and the long game I don't know but after we come back from this brief pause for sponsor identification we're going to get to building a big board and we're going to uh, construct uh, some player rankings at the edge position for the Dolphins based on what we know about the Dolphins, what we feel their strengths are, uh, and what they're looking for in the edge class. So make sure you come right on back after this brief pause, and we'll get into it. Welcome back, Dolphins fans. It's time to build ourselves a big board, and specifically... Uh, we're going to be starting with the edge class today. Uh, I think it is a pressing need for this team. Obviously, if you watch more than three seconds of Miami Dolphins football defense this year, you know that. Uh, apparently, this team is interested in negotiating a contract extension with Vince Beagle. That is good news. But even then, Vince Beagle is more of a rotational player and an early down player and not a third down slash money down stalwart as a pass rusher. So let's if we're being honest about Vince Beagle's strengths and weaknesses, he was a mid-round pick for a reason. He was on his third team for a reason because his ceiling as a, as a penetration and pressure player just isn't there relative to some of these other guys. And this will be an interesting exercise because you're going to have kind of two subsections of edge guys that we're going to be building out for. You're going to have the hand-in-the-dirt guy, and then you're going to have the flex linebacker role and uh, that chess piece. And, and you have good candidates for both of those styles available to you if you are the Miami Dolphins. So that's the good news. The question is, how do they stack up? I think any ranking of edge defenders has to start with Chase Young from Ohio State. He is arguably the best overall talent in this year's class. And when you consider his stature and, and build, 6'5", 264, 
33 and three quarter inch arm length. So he's got the length. He's got the ability to, to reset the line, stack guys up. He can win with finesse. He can win with power. He's one of the more advanced pass rushers as far as hand counters in recent memory coming through the draft class as well. He's got a lot of diversity as far as how he can beat offensive tackles. So you add all that up. He would be a no-brainer uh, for the Dolphins. I think it would be an interesting argument, but not an argument for today to get into, okay, what quarterbacks are on the board at five and hypothetically. Or, here you go, the Dolphins trade up to three and then Washington stuns and goes a different direction other than Chase Young and the Dolphins are picking with quarterbacks of, of that they like and Chase Young on the board, what direction would they go? That's a fascinating conversation, but a conversation for another day. Right now, we can all agree, Chase Young, cream of the crop of the pass rusher class. If you can't fit in your system, you've got a system problem. You don't have a Chase Young problem. Who comes on the board at number two at the edge position? This is where it gets fun, because you could have made a strong case based off the film for Iowa's A.J. Epinesa. Epinesa came into the combine, and he's an impressive physical specimen as far as uh, his stature. He checks in at 6'5", 275 pounds, 34 and a half inch arms. You know the Dolphins are going to love that length. But he ran 504 in the 40. He put up 17 reps in the bench. He jumped 32 and a half in the vert. The explosive numbers aren't really what you would have hoped to see. And him being that stale of an athlete gets into, okay, you know, he's the Trey Flowers type player. Is there anybody that could fill a different role that's a more attractive player? And the answer is yes. Calevon Chason out of LSU, who is 6'3", 254, 32 and a quarter inch arms. So the length is not great. But he's not playing the A.J. Epinesa Trey Flowers role. He's playing what role the Dolphins would have given to Jadavion Clowney had they been able to successfully trade for Clowney because Jason does a lot of the same things. He's stand up. You can move him around. You can play him in tight, put his hand in the dirt play him on the second level and twist and stunt. He's really good at, at, at stunts to peel back inside and navigate into the face of the quarterback. He's really good against the run. He's not the longest of arms, but he's got so much explosiveness in his frame that he does a really good job stunning offensive tackles. He doesn't routinely get stuck on blocks. And he's coming into his own as a pass rusher. The thing that you have to remember with Chason is Chason has only played in 26 games because he missed all of 2018 with an injury. Uh, he tore his ACL in the season opener against the Miami Hurricanes. So if you look at the raw sack production for him, you're going to be led astray. Do not let yourself do it. Chase on the versatility he brings. I think he's a top 20 pick home run. I think he's a potential top 15 pick. And if he's there at 18, the Dolphins really have to think hard about it. He would be my edge two for the Dolphins, playing a different role, right? You know, Chase Young can give you a little bit of both. 
AJ FNS is the hand in the dirt, Trey Flowers guy. Caleb Von Chason is the Jadavion Clowney type mold, the chess piece to move around. He becomes edge two. Now, this conversation, AJ FNS is still available, but the Dolphins are going to have two other guys in the conversation for their edge three, based on my anticipation. Uh, one of them is more of a hybrid defender who's even more so than Chase on, a guy who can play off ball. You can really move him around. I'm talking about Zach Bond. Zach Bond is from Wisconsin. Uh, he's six foot two and a half, 240 pounds, and he came in with 32 and one eighth inch arms. So, again, this is not a long arm dude, but. Think about the investment that this team already made in the Wisconsin Badger. This team has Vince Beagle and Andrew Van Ginkle on the roster. Wisconsin linebackers. This is a nice pipeline. Zach Bond is the best of the bunch. Zach Bond gives you outside pass rush, outside linebacker from two-point, pass coverage reps, run keys off the second level from like a, a, a nickel linebacker type role and alignment. He's really good at cornering as well. And he's explosive. You know, he came through the combine and this was the box he needed to check. He ran four, six, five. He had 24 on the bench and at 240 pounds. These, these are good numbers. This is exactly what you wanted to and hope to see. The other candidate is your Gross Matos, who's six foot five, 265 pounds. He didn't run, but he's got vines for arms. He's almost got 35-inch arms, and he's really good in run defending. He's very fluid in space. He's coming into his own as a pass rusher as well. So the Dolphins have an interesting dilemma here. I think they would probably favor the versatility component first and foremost. Epinesa does not give you that. I think he's he would drop, even though he's a strong scheme fit for Miami as far as heavy hands. Gross Matos has strong hands too, but he's a little bit more explosive. Zach Bond is much more versatile. I think Bond's a cleaner projection. I would probably place Bond third on this list because he can give you so much. The Dolphins have clearly prioritized that pipeline. And they, you know what you're getting with Wisconsin football players. You listen to Brian Flores or Chris Grew talk, they talk about uh, intelligence. They talk about toughness. They talk about hustle and effort. Bond is poster child for that mold coming from a school that has a position in that outside stand-up linebacker that the Dolphins have room for and are accommodating to. And then you get added bonus versatility with how much better he is on the second level versus both Van Ginkle, who was raw coming out as a Juco kid that played at Wisconsin for, I believe, two years, and Vince Beagle, who was just too athletically limited to take that on. So Chase Young, Caleb on Chase on, Zach Bond. Those are the top three names for the Dolphins at the edge position. Who else is going to make the cut? Who comes in at number four? I'll tell you. But right after this brief pause for sponsor identification. We are back and we're finishing up the top 10. We're going to do top 10 edges here for the Dolphins in the 2020 NFL draft, continuing to build out and structure this board. 
Chase Young, Caleb on Chase on Zach Bowen top three. I think each one of those three guys deserves first-round consideration uh, when you consider the athletic profiles that these guys bring, the versatility that each of these three guys brings. The Dolphins want players that can fill numerous boxes. Each one of those three can do that. Now you start getting into some of the more individual position-specific. Who has the highest ceiling out of the rest of the edge guys? For me, that's Eter Gross Matos out of Penn State. Again, we talked about his length before the break. 34 and 7 8 inch arms. That is monstrous. And he's got some pop behind these hands as well. He's a pretty quick twitch kid. Uh, he's still growing his pass rusher, as we referenced. But Gross Matos, to me, I think gives you a more exciting role as far as what he can be off the edge. And if the Dolphins are going to bet on their ability to develop talent and develop and mold balls of clay into being better football players, Gross Matos has all the unteachable things. And that, to me, is the divider for me and the next guy down on that list, who's A.J. Epinesa. So I'm going to slot Gross Matos at four. And I think at 26, he deserves strong consideration. I think when you consider for the the actual way the draft is going to go, I don't think 18, I think they're going to have an opportunity to get a more uh, finished product. And I think that they need to swing for some home runs, but they also need to swing for some doubles uh, so that you're guaranteeing you're getting players who you know could step into roles. If an offensive tackle, if one of the top four offensive tackles is there at 18, you take it all day long, you don't look back. If Caleb on chase on is there, you take it and you don't look back. You'll figure out the offensive line and the rest of the way. But gross mottos developmental upside is through the roof. As far as how athletic and fluid he is for a player of his size. This is a player at six foot five, 266 pounds moves extremely well, has a ton of length. Epines is more athletically limited, but there is a clear, model for Patriot-style defenses to cater to this kind of player. He didn't tre- test as well as Trey Flowers did. And you're going to bet on Epinesa being an exception to the rule if you're going to draft him early. For me, I think this is where the conversation starts for 39. Chase Young, it's five or bust. Three three or five or bust if they they conduct a trade. Caleb on Chase on, five's probably too early. 18's the home run pick if he's there. Zach Bond, 26 is the sweet spot, but I wouldn't hate this pick at 18. That's how much I like Zach Bond as a football player. Gross Matos for the Dolphins specifically, 26 is the sweet spot. Epinesa, the sweet spot, 39. Epinesa is going to be a solid run defender. You know you're going to get a guy who's going to stack up blocks. Does he have the explosiveness to run through offensive tackles and create pressure the way he did it at the Big Ten? That is now the big question for Epinesa, and I don't don't have a great answer for that right now. He's obviously very good at reducing angles, playing with his hands. He's got good length. He's going to hold the point of attack quite well. But what's his ceiling as a pass rusher? Is he a five or six sack a year guy? If he is, do you want to take that at, at 39? You're definitely not taking it at 26. 
So Miami's going to have to do some soul searching and really dig into, you know, what the combine performance was, why it was the way it was. If he comes out and tests better at the pro day, might change that conversation and, and cause him to challenge gross mottos. But for me, Epinesa, even though he feels like the cut and dry, like, well, you know, Patriots, disciple, defense, he's the heavy handed, long arm dude. I think his athleticism right now has introduced more questions than answers. And those questions did exist on tape before the combine, too. But you thought he had more explosiveness to his game. You get pretty interesting down here in the, the second half of this top 10 because there's a lot of names, a lot of likable names, a lot of names at you know, 56, 70 that make a lot of sense. For Miami specifically, if I were going to peg the rest of the top 10, the rest of the guys that you'd put in consideration for the top 100, Terrell Lewis from Alabama. Feels like a, a pretty good fit as well. This is another developmental type kid. He's 6'5", 262. He's got 30, 33 and 7 8 inch arms, so he's plenty long, right? He didn't test um, at the NFL Combine with the, the, the running drills, but he did jump 37 inches in the vert. So he's got some explosiveness, and he jumped 10'4 in the broad. So he is, as far as the these edge defenders go, He's the most explosive guy from a jumps perspective, lower body power. And he put that out there at 262. Uh, he's another guy who has missed a significant amount of time. Uh, he dealt with some pretty scary injury stuff, 2017 elbow injury, 2018 ACL injury. Uh, so he's still somewhat raw as well. I think he's a little bit more clunky than some of the names in front of him, and that's why he's down here at edge six for Miami. Uh, he's still, he's like that puppy, right? That puppy that's still growing into his body. He's got the big old paws and the big, long, long limbs. But not everything's like fully coordinated yet. At least the 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 five guys in front of him, they seem like they've mastered their movement skills. Tara Lewis is still a work in progress on that front, but the sky's the limit. And if you continue to build him out, fill him out, and he keeps that explosiveness, I he gets some first-round buzz for some teams. Uh, I could see why, but he's another guy that is probably more of a 39 slash 56 preferred slot for me as far as targeting for the Dolphins, unless they're going to slide up and down the board with, with some deals and make some moves. Because uh, from a pass rush perspective, his palette is pretty bare. He's not super creative right now. Uh, so you'll have to coach and coax that out of him. But it's the same thought process as Yeter Grossmatos. If you are going to be a team that prides yourself on player development, Terrell Lewis has the length and the explosiveness to really be an effective football player. Curtis Weaver is going to check in at number seven for me from Miami. Uh, Weaver is a fun football player first and foremost, but he has some development of his own to get into just in a different way. 6'2", 265, so he's pretty dense. And his build's not as clean as some of these other guys. He carries some extra weight on his frame. So if, if he leaned up to the degree in which you saw uh, the Yitra Gross Matoses and the Tara Lewis's and the Caleb on Chase on, he's not 265. He's probably uh, 245, 250. Uh, and he doesn't have great length either. He's kind of a, I don't want to call him a one-trick pony, uh, but he likes to rip and dip off the edge. He, he likes to claim space. My comp for him is Derek Barnett. Who, if you remember, Derek Barnett was a top 20 pick for the Philadelphia Eagles. 
not really a great fit in their wide nine system. So I feel like from the Dolphins perspective, he's a better scheme fit. He feels like a safe projection at, at pick 56. He had good testing numbers. Uh, he showed out well at the NFL Combine. He's a very productive football player. Uh, he finished his career at Boise State with 47 and a half tackles for loss and 34 sacks, which both of those numbers exceed what Chase Young put on, and they both played three seasons. Grain of one of them played in the Big Ten, one of them played at Boise State in the Mountain West, but regardless, very productive football player, high football IQ. He's another smart player. So that's an interesting dynamic for the Dolphins to have to digest as well as you get into that debate of, you know, we want smart football players, but how are we going to weigh out and, and differentiate between players who are raw but still smart versus players that are high football, football IQ and finished products? So Weaver doesn't have the athletic upside of a Terrell Lewis, and that athletic upside is going to typically be the tiebreaker for these scenarios, like you saw it be the tiebreaker for Yeter, Grossmatos, and A.J. Epinesa, and you saw it be the tiebreaker now for Terrell Lewis and Curtis Weaver. Rounding out this top 10, we've got seven on the board for the Dolphins, potential top 100 targets at the edge position. Josh Uche from Michigan is the next name up for me. Uh, this is the stand-up linebacker hybrid role. Uh, if Miami were interested in, say, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, this would be the kind of player that if you wanted the bargain bin version of that, that's what Josh Uche is. And interestingly enough, you listen to Jedrick Wills at the NFL Combine, and he talked about the pass rushers that he faced all throughout his time in the SEC. And he said, the best pass rusher I faced uh, was in my last game when I played Michigan, and his name was Josh Uche. So uh, he is condensed. He's 6'1", 245 pounds, but he's actually got pretty good length. His arms are over 33 and a half inches, so that bodes well for him as far as projecting him forward from here. He did not participate in the 40s. He did not participate in any of the jumps, so his athleticism testing is still earmarked as incomplete, but he's an explosive kid. You can see it on tape, and he bends the edge pretty well. So he would probably be the third choice for Miami in this stand-up hybrid linebacker role behind Chason and Zach Bond. Uche is the next best of those stand-up Andrew Van Ginkle, Vince Spiegel-type roles. Bit of a surprise for me as I stack this up for the Dolphins. Uh, Jonathan Grenard of Florida is a name that really stands out to me as somebody who the Dolphins are probably going to like a lot. Uh, and he's tied with Notre Dame's Khalid Kareem uh, for ninth and 10th as far as potential top 100 picks. So you're talking pick 70 or later for these guys would be great value as far as the Dolphins-specific system. Both these guys are heavy-handed dudes. Jonathan Grenard himself was a Louisville transfer who came over uh, to Florida this past year. And he declared himself very quickly with his play uh, in the season opener. I believe they played Miami in that season opener. Grenard, uh, 6'3 and a half, 262-inch arms. Yeah, he checks boxes. Khalid Kareem, who comes in 10th, 6'4, 268 pounds, 34 and 3-inch arms. So these guys are both dense. They're prototypical play side defensive end. They're hand in the dirt. They're not quite as big as Epinesa. Uh, they don't have as much of a power component or have not shown as much of a power component as Epinesa, but they collapse angles. They're smart run defenders. They've had really good flashes of pass rush productivity. 
at Grenard. I mean, Grenard had a fairly strong NFL combine too. He ran four eight seven, which isn't blazing fast. He put up twenty two reps on the bench. That's not blazing fast. Uh, but he jumped nine five, and he had a seven one three three cone, which at that size and density, when you see him in person, it's a pretty strong time. Uh, so the Dolphins aren't going to be a team that for their guys that are playing with the hand in the dirt, they're not going to covet that three cone like so many people on the outside looking in are. As long as you've got power in your hands and you can collapse those offensive tackles, keep your gap assignment, and then flash and react to the football, you're going to check the boxes that Miami wants. And both Grenard and Kareem do that to a high level. So if I were to summarize for you now, the top 10 edges, in my opinion, for the Miami Dolphins based on their own criteria of what they've said they want in football players. Chase Young is one, an option at three or five or whatever. Caleb on Chase on is two, home run option at 18. Zach Bond is at three. Chase on and Bond are stand-up joker linebacker role. Bond, 18's reasonable, 26 is home run value. Yeter Gross Matos. Home run value at 26. He's a hand-in-the-dirt kind of guy. A.J. Epinesa, guy that's been popular to draw to Miami. Testing didn't do him any favors. There's now some questions about his explosiveness. He's a play-side-end, hand-in-the-dirt kind of guy. Terrell Lewis is a little bit of a hybrid player and could feasibly do some both with his athleticism. He's very raw. He's missed some time with injuries. Uh, But his ceiling gets him in over Curtis Weaver, who's another hand-in-the-dirt kind of guy. Josh Uche would be the third stand-up linebacker I would point to. And then Jonathan Grenard and Khalid Kareem from Notre Dame are two guys. Options, early third round, all throughout the third round if they manufacture extra picks. Those are the guys top 100 that I would earmark for the Miami Dolphins. And if I were to bet, one of them's a Dolphin by the time it's all said and done because the Dolphins need to upgrade this pass rush, need to upgrade the edge position. Hope you guys enjoyed this. We're going to do a number of these. I'm hoping to build out a full board by the time it's all said and done. Top 32. Top 50, maybe. I don't know. They got enough picks. I could swing it. I could make it happen. Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. Listen, you guys enjoy your weekend. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a favor. Hit subscribe. Leave me reviews. There have been some real nice reviews coming in over the course of the last couple days. It's been very flattering to read so many people who were big fans of Travis enjoying my own spin on Miami Dolphins daily coverage. And I cannot wait to get back into the saddle on Monday and talk about some previewing of the free agent market. Talk potentially about the Tua situation. I'm going to hold off my recording till a little later in the day. See if I can't sneak that in. If something big happens, shoot, we'll get an emergency podcast in. We do what we got to do here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks for listening.